Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the novel podcast and this novel, When the Mountains Called. We have a very special treat for you again today. We have Shannon Baker, the writer of this amazing work, with us to talk about not only episode 10, but we now can talk about almost all of the, the season, the whole series. There is one more episode that we're waiting for, and we'll give you some hints about that, but no spoilers. But anyway, I'm excited to talk to Shannon again. There's so much more that has developed since the last time we talked to her, and so now we can explore the the mind of the the creator of the work, so to speak. And so anyway, Shannon, welcome. Thanks, Mati. Happy to be here. <laughs> you know, it's so much fun to talk to you about this. Very rarely have I ever had the honor of being able to pick the brain of the author of something. You know, everyone speculates. That's what book clubs are. Everyone sits around, they speculate. I think the writer meant this. I think the <laughs> author was trying to do that. And so, you know, there are all these people that, that make a hobby out of this kind of thing. And I actually have the honor to ask you directly. That doesn't mean you have to answer, right. <laughs> but this is going to be fun. So we are talking about episode 10, but also everything previous to episode 10 today. And like I said, there's one more episode, which will be episode 11. And we won't give anything away about that. But, you know, you mentioned to me that as you listened to episode 10, you realized that you could almost call that an ending if you wanted to, because so much was wrapped up. And it almost got that feeling of this is the big finish, but then not quite. Almost, but not quite. So there's some loose ends still. They're going to be wrapped up in the final episode would you like to uh, hint at some of the things that we have yet to discover? Sure. So I think if um, some of the listeners might be okay with the fact that in at the end of episode 10, Andrew was resting in the valley, and that might have been a satisfying conclusion, but then he gets in the river, and the river is what brought him to this other world or what, whatever it might be in the first place. And so getting in the river at the end, we can kind of anticipate a return journey home, maybe to his house. We're not really sure. So thinking about what his life looks like on that side now, after having been through this journey with Mac, uh, what does that look like? There might be a couple reunions with some people, um, and we can see how he interacts in those and how that's different, how Pearl is remembered and highlighted back in his life. And um, what did Mac mean when he said that Andrew could help him? Mm, okay. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting because Mac did allude to the fact that Andrew had helped or was going to help or something. And, and I did have a big question mark there because that wasn't really elaborated on. And then, you know what might be cool? We were just talking about some of the loose ends that are going to be in the next and final episode, Shannon. And I want to add one more teaser here. Um, Caleb and some others got together and created a new song that it was recorded that is out of this world that's going to be shared in the last episode. And it's not the background music anymore. This is a studio quality um, song that I just, I'm really excited about. I want everyone to hear it. So that's also going to be part of this last episode. 
But now that we gave everyone all those teasers, why don't we dive into episode 10 and kind of explore a little bit what was going on. I mean, we, we hinted about some of the stuff that happened at the end, but we haven't really reviewed it yet. So let's just do kind of a quick overview of episode 10, and then I have a bunch of questions for you as the writer. So episode 10 starts with another one of these dream sequence narrations. And it's of another memory. And we have um, Andrew in the hospital as Pearl is dying. It's her last night. And she asks Andrew to sing. And Andrew, boy, he just, it seemed like it was too much for him. For one, he didn't sing, right? And this is the first thing in this episode that got my attention. In reflection, it was like Pearl was the one who always sang, so Andrew wouldn't have to. And now she's asking him to sing. So what did that mean to you, Shannon? As the writer, what was the intent of that? It really just showcases the intimacy of their relationship. I think that, you know, at this point, all the doctors and nurses have gone. They understand what's about to happen, and so they're giving them time alone. And Andrew is not a people person. He's never been a people person and still he's willing to sing for his wife. So, I mean, I've never been married, so I can't speak to whether that would be typical for someone who so dislikes the idea of expressing themselves verbally, but it was meant to be and hopefully resonates as just showcasing how much he cares for her and therefore just highlighting how big this loss is. Because, again, after she passes, he doesn't talk to anyone, ever. Hmm. <laughs> this is like the last time that he, that he was using his vocal cords. Right. And we don't know what he said. And the Valley Girl or whoever is prompting the memory says, you don't have to remember that. And it's interesting because Pearl's last three words were from your heart. And it's such an invitation that she was offering there to be real, you know? And then as soon as she passes on, it's like Andrew's never real again. Wow. Yeah. You know, this kind of touched me as well because I, uh, I sang at the funeral of a loved one. And I have to tell you, when you are mourning and in your own grief for the person that's passed on, and then somehow you're supposed to sing. <laughs> what what Pearl was asking for was huge. And you expressed that, you know, and that he, he was anger. His anger, he wanted to throw the table over and, and start yelling and screaming, but instead she gave him the invitation, you know, from your heart. And... uh I, I'm going to ask, I understand the closeness and the intimacy of this conversation, and it's a beautiful picture, but is that fair <laughs> for Pearl to ask of Andrew at this time? <laughs> it definitely doesn't seem like it in some ways, considering how she probably, how well she knows her husband. 
Um, but the question that comes to my mind when you ask that is thinking about funerals, like who are the funerals really for? Mm, yeah. Um, and I think about my, so I, I play the fiddle and I, there's a couple Irish jig songs that my own dad really likes. And one time after playing them, he's said to me, you know, like, Shannon, you have to play these at my funeral. And I didn't want to think about that. Um, (laughs) But also, I just didn't think that these jigs are particularly suited for a funeral. They're really upbeat. And every time people think, oh, funerals aren't for the dead, they're for the living. It makes me think of that because if somebody requested that you do something for them upon their deathbed and you didn't, like you, you might feel really guilty, but at the same time, do they care after the fact? <laughs> you know? I, I will say this much. This whole season has been about Andrew learning how to honor his dead wife. Meaning honor her in his memory. Honor her in his heart from your heart, Andrew. Right. Right? That's what, that's what this whole thing's been about. And so, you know, who is the funeral for? Well, you know, we're trying to honor someone's requests, their last request. We're trying to honor their memory, but it's also for really for the people who are suffering the loss. I don't remember the movie, maybe you do, but it, it had a, a one-liner in it that I'll never forget. So forgive me that I don't know the reference, but it was that the dead are the ones who go on to remember the living. Hmm. And I've been thinking about that through this, you know, this whole season of this podcast, Shannon, because we are experiencing Andrew's act of exploring the other side in some way, searching for Pearl. He's been debating if he's dead or alive this whole time. We know Pearl has died. We've been wondering if Mac is dead or alive. And, but we are definitely experiencing something that is other side-ish, right? Mm -hmm. You just mentioned earlier, it's kind of like you're two different worlds here. And we're in the the world that's not of this one, necessarily, in the vast majority of this season. So I don't know where all that is headed, except that the other side, you know, it's like the, the dead go on to remember the living. They mourn after the living on some level. I don't like to think of it that way, because we all like to think of the other side as the happy place. Mm-hmm. But there's something kind of cool in that, realizing that maybe we don't need to mourn where those that have passed are as much mm-hmm. as maybe all of creation should mourn where we are in some way. Mm. Well, and Mac definitely touches on that. And every time Andrew asks him, what is this world? Is And ponders, is this death? And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem like every time... Andrew brings this up or thinks about it, Mac sort of just changes the subject or brings mm-hmm. him to the next thing. Mac is really intent on Andrew healing, not so much about Andrew's preoccupation of what this is and where Pearl is, because it's almost like Mac realizes it doesn't, like, Pearl's fine. You don't, like, this is not the issue. The issue is your heart and where um, your place right now in, in your world and just bringing him through a journey to kind of, I don't know, correct sounds didactic, but to almost correct where he's kind of lost himself. 
Yeah, isn't it fascinating? Because Andrew at the beginning, all the way back in episode one, I mean, he's reaching for Pearl, almost as if the husband that's trying to save the wife that's in trouble, like he has to somehow be the hero for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as this unfolds, you know, through the various episodes, we, we quickly begin to see that Andrew's the one in trouble, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Definitely the one in trouble. Um, well, let's, we'll dive into a little bit more maybe regarding that in a minute, but let's move on through the storyline here. Uh, Andrew was remembering this in this Valley of Rest. And it says that Andrew woke and he didn't know how much time had passed and that there were a whole lot of people in this valley that were resting and remembering and reflecting. Some people were laughing, some people were crying, but it, it, it said they were all being comforted, almost embraced and sheltered by the warm sunlight on their faces. It's just such a beautiful mm-hmm. picture. Thank you for that. Sure. <laughs> but... um we kind of get the picture of, well, people could just stay there. It, it, mm-hmm. For the first time, we see that Andrew is really embracing the memories of Pearl, and then he's fine with it, right? Um, but then he, Andrew starts getting some questions, and he starts kind of nudging Mac and waking him up, and, and Mac is also doing the same thing. He's been there enjoying his own memories. And what is the purpose of this valley, Shannon? What, what is the tension of this moment? It's the place that Mac has been not pushing, but suggesting to Andrew for a bit of time, right? It happens when they climb the first mountain and they look over on the valley girl and and Mac goes, this is the valley and points out the valley girl and kind of there's an implicit offer to rest and Andrew says, no, I'm not giving up. And it happens again. Um, Do you want to go rest? No, I'm I'm not giving up. And finally it takes you know, the, what, what, uh, was discussed in the last commentary of him almost, you know, hurling himself off a cliff because of the joy he felt of this pearl memory that he finally decides it's time to rest. So this valley is definitely one of rest. And I think it also symbolizes what the valley girl talks about with balance, um, imbalance with the, the, there's this coursing, icy, cold, great river, but it's also refreshing. And, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but it's the plate. It carries you where you need to go. Mm. Um, so we have that. It's kind of, it's a scary, awe-inspiring, fear-inspiring thing, but it's also balanced with this valley of peace. And I think that's kind of what Andrew's memories hopefully bring to mind. There's not all, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And so he's reckoning with both the sorrowful and the joyful in this valley. So it's not a place of laziness or a place of giving up. It's actually maybe where the most difficult battles are done in his mind. And he finds the necessity in all of the memories and even chooses one that's difficult as his most prized. Well, the story tells us that some moments were better than others. There were walks in the woods. He had the memory of the hospital that it elaborated on, that many memories came, and Andrew let them come. That's a beautiful thing. And then it says that Andrew Andrew remembered everything, you know, the good, the bad, and the not-so-delicate is kind of what was stated there. But what was the one memory that you just mentioned, the hard one? This was where Andrew 
remembers the, his last night with Pearl in the hospital. Um, the doctors and nurses have all left. You get the sense that this is their last time together, and and this is where he sings. He sings to Pearl because she asks him to. Hmm. Well, and it was kind of at this point that Andrew starts reaching back toward Mac, and uh, he he asks Mac some questions, and he, he realizes that Mac had talked about staying and moving on, and that some people stay and some people move on and some people do both somehow, and he's still trying to solve this mystery. And there's this beautiful conversation between Mac and Andrew, and and. We don't know at first, but we soon realize it's the last conversation between Mac and Andrew in this story. So um, describe that dynamic a little bit for us, if you would. Yeah, there's a, a moment of transition. And so as you're asking what the valley is, I the word transition jumps to mind too. But people are resting or they're, or if they're Mac, they're heading, heading home. So Mac... Um, Mac and Andrew are talking, and Andrew asks Mac, well, haven't you already rested? Haven't you been here before? And and throughout their conversation, Mac points out Andrew's <laughs> good listening, almost kind of not irritated, but just like, oh, you got me. I guess I have to answer your question. And he tells him that um, he's the one who has called him, that Mac called Andrew or specifically asked the third mountains to call Andrew. And so then we hear, okay, so Mac was with the third mountains and you can kind of, what does that mean? Because now he's in the first mountains again with Andrew. And Mac basically mentions that it's time for him to go home. Um, and Andrew thinks, oh, back to the third mountains and Mac nods and, and then kind of turns the question on to Andrew. What about you? So there's a sense that it's not, this is the choice. He can stay and move on or um, go ahead and, and move on. This is Andrew's transition and he gets to choose. You know, there's a lot of choices at this point. There's the wildering people, there's the valley, there's the last option, which is the one he chooses to step back into the river. And I think it's just, it's interesting that even at this point where there was kind of been a resolution of Andrew's memories and positive and negative, and he's learning to balance, there's still a choice that Mac presents him with. And it's a pivotal, pivotal moment because this is where Andrew decides what's next and actually thinks about his future. Not having found Pearl in body, but still making a decision that affects himself. And so it's him just acknowledging that he has a future and he needs to decide what to do with it. So I got to ask you, because I've been so curious about this, I don't remember which episode this one was, but we found out that there were the first mountains and the third mountains, <laughs> that the second mountains were the third mountains, but there weren't any second mountains. And we're like, wait a minute. Okay, you got to fill us in a little bit. What's in your mind here when we're missing a whole mountain range? Sure. Um so honestly, at first it was just, I thought it was fitting for Mac's kind of strange, humorous character, just to, the the way that it comes about is, what about the second mountains? And Mac says, like, silly Tocito, there are no second mountains. It's just, 
that doesn't make sense. And I hope that people kind of chuckle at that, at that aspect of, of Mac's character as he presents things matter-of-factly when they're really not matter-of-fact at all. But also, if we think about the Third Mountains and they're very removed, right, from even the First Mountains. And the First Mountains themselves seem so different from the world that Andrew came from initially. I was hoping, too, that just not addressing this addressing a super large space in between the first and third mountains also just highlights the mystery surrounding the third mountains. Um, like if, if you think you understand the first mountains, first of all, there's a lot going on there. I don't think any of us can say that we would be able to survive without Mac in the first mountains. Um, but if we think about that and how difficult that would have been for Andrew, it just places so much more intrigue and mystery on the third mountains and thinking about well what is that like that life after death or after death or whatever it is there's just it's so removed we can't even comprehend it in some way Mm. so shannon i mentioned in several of the commentaries how fun it is when a, a story is written with allegory and metaphor and and it invites the the listener or the reader to a personal interpretation kind of like poetry does, and sometimes it says more because it allows room for us to interact with the story from our own lives, from our own life experience. So, you know, 10 people read the same allegorical-type poem, and 10 people will get 10 different impressions of it. This story is somewhat like that, and some of the mysteries, like the mountains. Um, it's fun because different people can interpret that different ways. I mean, one of the things I thought about was, oh, cool, mountains have always represented, like, people groups or the way to get to the heavens or nations are are considered, like, mountains, right, that Mm -hmm. reach towards something. And then I was noticing, oh, well, we've got Andrew's world where we all started, and then we have the first mountains, and then we have the third mountains, and it's almost like that's the one, two, three, right? Mm -hmm. And another thing that I thought of is how often is three considered um, like the final, right? People say third time's a charm, or people... Um, count to start something, and they say, one, two, three, on your mark, set, go. You know what I mean? Three is like, okay, this is the whole bit. This is all of it. And so calling the third mountains third just makes sense because it's like, oh, there's a finality to that one, right? Right. There's so many different ways to dive into this, and you left us room to do that. And so, I mean, this is just kind of academic the way I'm talking about this, but so many other places in this exploration of personifications and allegories and metaphors, addressing archetypes, um, so many other places, there's room for people to explore their own life experiences in a way that really can be very emotional. I mean, I, I don't mind telling you that several times listening to... Jonathan, read this. I, I was like, whoa, <laughs> because it, it made me reflect personally, right? Well, that's honestly really good to hear. That's the goal. <laughs> a short answer to a very long <laughs> question. Well, let's talk a little bit about these allegories and metaphors. 
if you don't mind. I would like yeah. to hear more about, I mean, last time we talked about how you get into the writing mode of thinking and allegory and stuff like that. But if we can revisit that a little bit, I think I would like to hear more about why you felt that allegory and metaphor would be important in the way that this work was done. So initially when Caleb brought the idea of the story um, to Jonathan and I, we all actually as a trio brainstormed kind of different themes that we wanted to address. And as the listeners will recall, Caleb's background is largely in philosophy and I personally enjoy philosophical thought too. So as we were all talking about this, we were hoping that it would be just that we would be able to bring in allegory and symbolism as a large part of the plot. But I also just think to reiterate what you just said, that symbolism and allegory allow listeners or readers to take so many different meanings, no matter what the intent of the original artist or original author was. And I just think that's such a valuable introspection tool. Um, So personally, and as I mentioned last commentary that I was involved with, the like growing up journaling, that's just the way that I process the world. So it's a little selfish in the reason that I chose to do a lot of allegory and symbolism, but also just because I think it lends itself so purposely to wide varieties of interpretation. And that's what journeys of healing are about. Nothing, no two are similar. And so while I had my own, you know, process to work through with that, which we could talk about more in a bit, but Um, that is why, to answer broadly, like, that is why I thought so deeply about the symbolism and allegory, just because I think it allows everyone to resonate from different starting points. I think it was the aspect of your writing that I found the most amazing, because it's not always easy to write in that way. Just to remind the listeners, this will be fun. Let's see how many allegories or metaphors or similes or symbolisms or symbols. <laughs> <laughs> Just brainstorming. Okay, off the cuff. We haven't written anything down here. Off the cuff, um, how many are... I, mean, I don't know if we can get close, but let's All let's right. just... You name a few, I'll name a few. Just to remind the listeners. Okay. I'll, I mean, doesn't have to be chronological, but just from the first episode, I'm thinking right away, Andrew's corduroy pants are not just corduroy pants. Uh, His house is not just a house, especially when he talks about it burning in his mind. Mm. Um, The sunset has a few different meanings, and that will get revisited in the last episode as well. But just in the first episode, that's a couple of them. Well, then there's also the fence that he built Mm. that kept him from returning to his house. Yep. That was allegorical. The river... Yeah. Right. Huge that the river was doing. It, the river's doing far more than just water flowing through a valley. Right. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, you're talking about um, the grass. It just keeps coming back, you know, and the grass does a lot of things. It, in the first episode, it like scratches and tugs at them. Right. But then in other places, it seems like the grass is a warm blanket. Yeah. Um. Let's see, what others can I think of? Flowing with the river, the river like it's a memory or a life in review or the whole idea that we can flow with 
the currents of life or fight against yeah. them. You know, there's that. And we're, we're in episode two now, I think. <laughs> what pops into your head? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, this might even be jumping to three, but Mac's house is yeah. somewhat reflective of Mac and offers a new starting point for Andrew. Um, the first place he rests. The woods themselves seem to be, I mean, if not inseparable from Mac's own character, seem to have a life of its own in some ways. I think we see that in all of the, obviously all of the mountains that they visit. Um, but the first place that they go to after Mac's house is the valley. And the valley, the great river, the valley girl, even the sun operate as characters. You know, I noticed when Andrew was fighting his way through the forest and he came to a small clearing and he sat down on a stump. It was like the first time that he actually took a break. He sat right. down on the stump and then all of a sudden the path is revealed to him. I thought, uh-huh. <laughs> that <laughs> there's an allegory there. Something as simple <laughs> as I'm going to I'm going to quit fighting and just take a breather revealed a path forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Shannon, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know? Um there were a lot of things, also just the way that the the forest interacted because yeah. It was fighting against Andrew and fighting against Andrew, but then as soon as he was with Max, suddenly it was like there was a way. Time travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was accelerated, you know, yeah. which is also kind of cool. It's like, oh, what's going on here? Um, even the mountains had personalities, right? Talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yes. So the Valley Girl, uh, Mac even refers to her as, um, oh, she doesn't like her name because people on in the living world or people in the world have reduced it to, uh, you know, I, Oh, I broke a nail type of stereotype. And it, he kind of talks about it, um, glibly, but she's soft. And it says like valleys are, are gentle and just attributes kind of wide sweeping characteristics to valleys. But then also you get the sense that the Valley girl is an individual. So, that's the that's the valley girl there and then we have the forgetting mountain with the forgetting man and while the forgetting the forgetting man is definitely the highlighted character the mountain itself has a personality or an atmosphere an aura and you can't have the forgetting man without the environment that he comes from uh, even though that mountain doesn't strike you as so personified as for example the altruist which is the final mountain that literally bends down to comfort the people it receive he receives and um that mountain you know feels and comforts and commiserates and i believe that's the that's the that's the last mountain that they go to though even you could acknowledge the wildering people's mountain as as its own thing as well um while it's not named but their town has this fire, which is kind of the the fueling force, I guess, which responds to the emotions of the people in the village and prompts emotions in people in the village, even, especially in Andrew. 
So we see fire and rocks or mountains and river and valleys and fields. Just a lot of different natural components that have their own sort of roles. Hmm. Yeah, even the fog, right? In the right. Forgetting Mountain, the, the mist and the fog and the storms, uh, lightning. And um, it's, it's almost as if everything in the environment has at least two meanings, if not more. Hmm. And... I, this is going to sound really kind of meta for people, but I want to throw it out there, Shannon, and get your response to it. A few years ago, I was thinking about the word coincident or coincide, right? Mm-hmm. And often when things happen that seem kind of peculiar to us, we'll say, well, what a strange coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, wait a minute, it has side in it which is the same as suicide and homicide and herbicide yeah. and, and insecticide. And and I was like, wait a minute, we're always killing whenever we have a side in a word. Yeah. So I kind of went back and looked at the sources of the word and coincide comes from a word that meant to fall upon, meaning we think of coincidence as things just fell together without, you know, it's, it's strange that it happened, but there's no meaning to it. But to fall upon meant like the robbers, the thieves, the murderers fell upon the travelers on the road. So there is a side there. Huh. And something is being killed. But this is the reason I tell the whole the, the whole backstory of this is that whenever we say that something is just a coincidence, what are we killing? Hmm. Because I think a lot of things that happen in life we can draw meaning from. They're not necessarily just coincidences, and that's what happens in your story. It's not a coincidence that there's a storm. There's not a coincidence, and it's not a coincidence that there's a fog or a river or that the grass is scratchy and also comforting or that the sun is doing something special or that Mac's eyes glow in some wild way. Nothing's a coincidence. Everything matters. Hmm. That's really interesting, too, because it makes me think about how quick we are as people to write off meaningful experiences or meaningful things and it's it's like why like do we not just want to process them or do we not want to draw connections i don't know that makes me think (laughs) well that's the reason i threw it out there is that i mean some people can i think start trying to draw too much meaning from this too small of a thing but then i stop and i say well maybe not <laughs> they might draw the wrong meaning but <laughs> you know maybe this life has a lot more to tell us if we pay attention mm-hmm. i know that your story does so okay shannon why did you write this what were your motivations behind this this is a pretty Awesome, awesome story, actually. Um, so as I mentioned, Caleb and Jonathan and I, so we, we all went to school together, but it was last June, almost a year ago, actually, probably close to the day where Caleb first approached Jonathan and I with this idea of a podcast that he wanted to create, which would focus on storytelling and conversation and, and music and like the intersection between all of those things. That's what I remember as being just like the bare skeleton of what he was looking for. And he needed 
you know, a voice actor and remembering Jonathan, went to Jonathan. And as we had mentioned several podcasts ago, Caleb and I have had our fair share of interesting, deep conversations. So, and he knows I love to write. So he came to me with the proposition to write the story. All three of us got together and thought about different themes. We're in the heat of COVID quarantine at this point. So one big theme we talked about was isolation and reintegration into the world, which we had no idea was a bit early to be thinking about that, (laughs) but we could hope. And so we talked about isolation, themes of love and loss and death and life and just these big things. And Caleb had uh, maybe an inordinate amount of faith in me to be able to be like, okay, create something. And I definitely did not know what that would turn into, but I was gearing up for a summer in Glacier National Park, uh, working with a ministry there and uh, working in West Glacier in the little town. And I'm super excited. And I thought, you know, I've never not been to the mountains for a long time. So this would be a great, a great setting for my story. So I kind of wrote the first two episodes just about this man who struggled in isolation, struggled in his own kind of reclusivity, if that's a word. Um, And I hadn't developed a ton of plot yet. But he got in the river and he needed to heal from from the loss of his wife. I just, this just is, we don't have to get into how these things come to mind, but uh, eventually I landed on this as the plot. And then I arrived at Glacier and met my team, my ministry teammates, and I um, befriended a, a friend of mine named Josh. And Josh was just the coolest coolest guy um he loved adventure he loved hiking and uh would ask to go kayaking spontaneously at 10 p.m or would ask everyone to get together and jam played the banjo and just just all these awesome adventures that really brought me out of my own kind of safe shell. I'm an adventurer too, but I like to be practical about things and to plan. And so anyway, his spontaneity drove me up to be a bit more, yeah, like him, like spontaneous. And um, so it was three weeks into the summer and um, yeah, our team was notified late in the night that Josh had had a climbing, been in a climbing accident and had passed away. Oh my goodness, Shannon. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty, I mean, everything, tragedies like that are always unprecedented, but I personally had never had so close a person or friend um, pass away so suddenly. And so that whole summer just shifted our team was brought closer up by necessity and also by um, circumstance and just the love that we already all had for each other. And so in that way, we had a lot of, there was a lot of blessing in it, but I definitely didn't pick up my, I didn't pick up my pen for a while after that because suddenly the story felt too real. Mm. And keep in mind, I, I had already written that Andrew had lost his wife. And while that was not the, <laughs> the dynamic between Josh and I, it was still 
felt felt real in the sense that we were very close and we were friends and and I had just lost somebody I really cared about um and so yeah it, it was too real and I was almost you know thinking man like why why did I write that and it wasn't until October that after a bit of time away from the story that it kind of just came to me like this is gonna be the way to move forward um when Max says like do you want to stay and move on or go somewhere and move on and I didn't really know for myself what that would look like but writing seemed like the best way to resurrect the things I had lost even while I couldn't bring uh, the person back and just became a way to process and hopefully invite other people into the journey because I just think that healing done with others is such a gift to us people on earth um, so that's I just kind of picked up the pen again in October and through processing and prayer and journaling and all these things crafted this story uh, over the course of a winter in another set of mountains in the Smoky Mountains this time. So. Wow. So you were living to, in some way, you were living this story as you were writing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I think that's why after this the whole thing is over, I had mentioned a bit of a go, I'm just, I'm like, I feel like Andrew's not done yet, you know, because I think in some ways, you know, I identify with him, but I also identify with other characters in the story too, so. Well, that's, that's crazy, Shannon, and I, I don't think that any of the listeners would have seen that coming, but in a way it makes sense because your insights into grief and grieving and, and healing and recovery in this story are deep and profound. And sometimes that comes out of reality. And in this case, it was coming out of reality. I'm sorry for your loss. Right. Well, thank you. I think also this story, um, you had mentioned, you know, the way that we honor people that we've lost. And this is honestly just that this for my section of the podcast is a tribute to to Josh and to um, our friendship and the things that he has taught me and continues to teach me and to the people who also knew him even better and, and loved him as well. So it definitely is, it's, it's fun to talk about how we can honor people because um, I just feel like this, this conversation and these commentaries and this whole podcast has been such a gift to I know not only me, but other people that I've mentioned it to that have, um, that, that knew Josh or were his family or are his family and, and who love him. So mm. we're all very grateful to everybody who's been involved. You know, and here this whole time, we thought this was a podcast or a story or a novel. <laughs> now we find out it's a tribute. And yeah. wow, Shannon, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. You know, it's it's tough to know where to go from here <laughs> because, I mean, that's talking about reveals. Holy cow. Yeah, well, I, I hope that this, I hope that this podcast, you know, can be a resource for people too, to keep listening because whatever stories come next, I'm sure they will cover a wide array of themes and I'm excited to, this has been such an outlet, but also... Uh, community too so 
um, I just think it's, I think of if we're going to reflect on, on the story and how it parallels my own just, you know, this has been, the podcast has been very um, Mac <laughs> to me. And mm. so I think if we can all think about communities or people or um, those who are walking alongside us in these in the journey or who are helping us head home from the journey of whatever healing that we're all going through. And especially in light of this past year, I know there's things that we're all grieving, whether it's people or opportunities, but finding that Mac I think is pretty important. Maybe a good, a good overall takeaway too. Oh man. You know, I, I'm a few years older than you, Shannon, (laughs) (laughs) and I've had many more years to try to understand the grieving process and what loss is about, but Shannon, your insights um, are ageless and healing, and I personally feel like that your story here, When the Mountain's Called, has great potential for healing. And now I understand part of the reason why is because it was healing. Like you said, it was your Mac. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing. I hope the listeners realize the value of something like this for some people. You know, story can draw us out of ourselves and and help us to go places we need to go. And maybe, you know, when the mountain's called can do that for people. So if you know people who you think could benefit from it beyond just the idea that it's a fantastic, well-written uh, work of literature that's well-produced and, and a lot of fun to listen to, the whole idea that it can actually bring healing and and encourage people in their lives, um, I see that as, as a purpose and a reason that this happened the way that it did, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It just adds an element to this uh, whole project that is, uh, well... A Macario, right? A blessing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Shannon, I think that it would be hard to pick a better place to stop our discussion than there. And I want to thank you for sharing with us the story of Josh and how that impacted the writing of this novel. Um, That's just fascinating to me. Thank you again for your time and sharing some of your insights and inspirations for this. And I want to remind the listeners, there's one more episode to go, and I can't wait to find out the rest of the story. (laughs) And uh, so, Shannon, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Monty, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm -hmm.